Advertisers, here's an opportunity you don't want to miss. Do you want to advertise for the Entertainment Spotlight Show? Yeah, you can. Email them at entertainmenttrailja at gmail.com entertainmenttrailja at gmail.com or you can whatsapp them at 1721 Calling all Caribbean authors this is your grand opportunity to change your hard copy books into audio. Blue Flames Audio. Email them at bpaudioboks at gmail.com. Blue Flames Audio. The Entertainment Trail Spotlight Show. You can hit them up on all social media platforms, including Instagram at Shaba Moschino Official Entertainment Trail at Facebook. And their website is entertainmenttrailja.com. Hey, you can even call them at 1721-522-7050. The Entertainment Trail Spotlight Show. And now for our feature presentation. Entertainment Trail. Chavamos Kino. Taking over the islands of the Caribbean. Central America. North America. South America. Europe. Asia. Africa. And as far as Antarctica. You're listening to the Entertainment Trail Spotlight. With Shaba Moschino. Entertainment Trail. The home where culture comes alive. Entertainment Trail, the home where culture comes alive. How many of us really remember the work that the great Marcus Messiah Garvey Jr. put in for the black race? Good afternoon everyone and welcome to a liberating, educating episode of the Entertainment Trail Spotlight. People, we are not just entertainment, we are also about education. So we do entertainment on this program. People, today we're going to be um, sharing a, a, a presentation with you guys. Um, with um, Black Rasta. Black Rasta is from Ghana. He's a radio presenter um, from Ghana. He works on its, its FM in Ghana. And he's also a musician. He's somewhat of a reggae dub poet slash reggae artist, put it that way. And he's one of those freedom fighter in Africa is doing his best through his music and whatever platform is offered to him. And most of most times he's always um in is in, in, in problem with the politicians because he you know he's always calling out them on issues. So he's like the if you guys know about Muta Baruka from Jamaica, he's like a version of Muta Baruka, but he's only from Ghana, you understand? So he's that strong willed person and he is doing his stuff. He's doing his thing over there in, in Africa and he and he's he is doing a lot of good music as well. I love his music. I played some of his music on this program before, maybe sometime last year. Yes, so um, people, we're gonna share with you his presentation. He's looking on Marcus Garvey, um, the whole Marcus Garvey movement, the, the UNIA movement, as well as how other Africans um, um, have contributed to the whole Back to Africa movement, even before Marcus Garvey, and with the difference between Marcus Garvey and those other Africans, why um, some were able, although some were Africans were able to take back Africans to Africa and Marcus Garvey wasn't, he, he still showed that organization is key um, for any movement to be successful and 
this is what he looked at um, uh, in this presentation. So we're gonna we're gonna listen to this presentation, and then in between I will be talking to you guys. And in the background, you're hearing um, Burning Spear song, Old Marcus Garvey. So we're gonna take a little listen to this song, and then I wanna come back and intro and bring in the first aspect of the presentation from Black Rasta out of Ghana. You are now in tune to the Entertainment Trail Spotlight. We're rocking with the city's hottest DJ. Shabamos Kino. Yes, people, yes, and hope you guys enjoy. Black Rasta here telling you about Marcus Garvey and those other African personalities going behind the first aspect of the presentation and hear more about what happened to Laura Kofi and others. Black Rasta will be looking at the origin, basically, history of Marcus Garvey. You understand? And closer to the end of this first aspect of the presentation, you will be getting involved into a lady from Ghana who came over and assist Garvey with the whole um, Back to Africa movement, you understand? So we're going to get into that right now and we're going to look at it and then we come back at the half hour break um, for the next segment, people. So remember you're tuning into the Entertainment Trail Spotlight and remember you also can subscribe online to the Entertainment Trail Podcast. Just Google it and all of those platforms that, that the podcast is on will be uh, will appear so you can click on one if you want Apple, if you want Android, there's choice there for you. So we're going to go into the presentation with Black Rasta and the whole Black to Africa movement, Marcus Garvey and company. Thank you so much. Okay, so today we are looking at Marcus Garvey and the Back to Africa rhetoric. Was it a mere rhetoric or it was a fact? Ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to talk. Now, almost everybody here knows exactly who Marcus Garvey was. He's still living with us in the spirit. I will go straight up to the point. Marcus Mosiah Garvey Jr. Marcus Mosiah Garvey Jr. Let me break it down. Now, the name Marcus itself is Roman. It comes from the Roman god Mars and that is the god of war. Now, that name Marcus is also Latin. If you look at Marcus Garvey, ladies and gentlemen, Marcus is Roman. Marcus is also Latin. And in the Roman meaning of Marcus, we have the harvest. Marcus means harvest. In Rome. And when you go to the Latino people, 
They also see it as a warlike person. One name, two minutes. Marcus means the harvest. Marcus also means a warlike person. Mosiah is from the Hebrew. Hebrew. And it, it comes from the Hebrew word Mosiah. Which simply means the Savior or the Messiah. I'm breaking down the name so you will know who we are talking about. So Marcus, Mosiah, and Gavin is Irish. The name Gavin is Irish. And it means what? It means somebody who has a rough, peaceful time. Look at that conundrum. Rough, peaceful time. How can peace be rough? Now, later in the lecture, we will look at all these names, how these names impacted on this man. He was born in 1887, and he was born in St. Anne's Bay, the capital of the parish of St. Anne, Jamaica. His father was a free slave. His grandparents were slaves taken all the way from Africa, but he had a drop of Irish blood in him. That meant that name Garvey. So they did not give him the name Garvey for nothing. Marcus Garvey himself had Irish blood in him. Ladies and gentlemen, his father himself was a very wonderful person. He knew how to work with a stone. He knew how to be a carpenter. So in Jamaica at that time, he was somebody people respected because he earned quite some cash. Now Marcus Mosiah Gavi was born very dark. And in the words of people, some Pan-Africans who later called him round and ugly. Most Jamaicans saw him as an ugly person. Most Jamaicans saw Marcus Gavi as somebody who was downtrodden because he was very, very dark. Ladies and gentlemen, born in 1887, Marcus Gavi decided to follow his father. Gradually, gradually, gradually. His own father had about 10 children from two different wives. Marcus himself grew up as an adult who was very focused on achieving something in life. Marcus Gavin decided at a very young age, ladies and gentlemen, to go to school and study very hard. He had the opportunity to go to school and he wanted to distinguish himself from the rest of the people who called him ugly and downtrodden. So you know what he did? He decided to study English very well. He decided to move himself away, ladies and gentlemen, from the rest of the Jamaican community that saw him as ugly and that saw him as downtrodden because he could speak very good English, what is called standard English. The people started to look down on him even more. He decided to get closer to the white people because he spoke very good English and he appealed more to the white man. So the white man, ladies and gentlemen, got to love Marcus Garvey. His own people saw him as ugly, they saw him as somebody who was downtrodden because he was very dark. So he said, I'm not going to get my people's support. Why don't I rather appeal to the white man? Ladies and gentlemen, that was how Marcus Garvey was able to make it into the white man's world. He had a reason. When he got there, so much injustice around for black people. What did he decide to do? like every other human being in Jamaica at that time, wanted to travel. He traveled around Costa Rica and all those wonderful places. And then he arrived in England. When he arrived there in 1911, Kwame Nkrumah was only two years at that time. 1911. Then, all he was thinking about, ladies and gentlemen, was to make some money. I want to make money. I want to achieve it in life. When I am able to achieve it, then I will have a lot of respect. So he went out there to England looking for the so-called green pastures. There he met a gentleman called 
Duse Muhammad Ali. Duse Muhammad Ali. He was half Tunisian and half, half Egyptian. His father was very, very rich. Duse Muhammad Ali, ladies and gentlemen. Very, very rich. His father was extremely rich. He went to school in England, that gentleman there. So he knew the ins and outs of England. Ladies and gentlemen, Marcus Garvey met this man in 1911. And this African employed Marcus Garvey as his messenger. Sending him around. They had a newspaper called the African Orient Times. And Marcus Garvey was carrying the newspapers around, circulating them around, and showing people the power of the black man. So Marcus Garvey learned a lot of Pan-Africanism from Dusi Muhammad Ali. But Dusi Muhammad Ali was only interested in that wing of Pan-Africanism called Ethiopianism. And Ethiopianism is, is, is simply talking about Ethiopia and you know so on and so forth. Then Marcus wanted to show this man that no, me too, I know something. He started writing, and when he saw how well Marcus could write, he decided to employ him to also write. Whilst he was writing, he also decided to go to school and study law. I am coming back to this man later. Ladies and gentlemen, so Marcus Garvey now was able to catch the attention of this wonderful Dusi Muhammad Ali. And he learned a lot of things from this man. Remember this man because we will come back to him very soon. So, he stayed in England for some time and realized that things were not really moving the way he wanted. And then in 1914, he decided to go back to St. Anne in Jamaica, the birthplace of Bob Marley, birthplace of Bernie Spear, and the same best place of, of course, the great Marcus Garvey. When he arrived, he decided that it was time to start a very strong Pan-Africanist vibe. Because he had gone around England, he had seen how black people were going through trouble, how black people were not united. He picked up a lot of Ethiopianism from Muhammad Ali Duse and returned to Jamaica, 1914. When he returned, ha, nobody could stop Marcus Garvey's fire. He was very angry with the system. And then he met a pretty lady, Emmy Ashwood. She had just finished school and Marcus was interested in marrying the girl. But the parents said, no, hey, you marry who? You are an ugly man, ugly boy. You can't marry this woman. And, but the woman loved Marcus. So what happened? They decided to get engaged, but the parents insisted. And the woman said, okay, if my parents are saying no, then let me pull back. Marcus said, if you pull back, I'm committing suicide right now. You are my world. You know when a man loves a woman, likes a woman, he can say anything. You are my world, I love you. You are the apple of my eye. Your eyes glitter like the morning sun. And so on and so forth. Ladies and gentlemen, she agreed and then they got married. And true to her words, when they got married, she was able to move Marcos Gavi, who had a hotel room as his office, on Orange Street in St. Anne in Jamaica, to a more beautiful building, which became the headquarters, at least in Jamaica. Marcos Gavi said, ah, things are working now. He walked to the governor of Jamaica at that time, Mr. Governor Mannings, and said, Mr. Mannings, please, I need you to help me. And listen to what Marcos Garvey said. I need you to help me with cash. I'm beginning a strong Pan-Africanist movement. And my intention is to civilize, listen, civilize the backward people of Africa. And to self-pride as Africa. Listen attentively. I am trying and helping to civilize the backward people of Africa. I am also preaching self-pride, and at the same time, I want a unity 
for some of these our backward people. He formed the UNIA, United Negro Improvement Association. It was an association that was supposed to improve upon the Negro. Jamaican people said, hey, we don't want them were there. Negro, we don't want it, man. Because Negro is like nigger. It's like an insult. And Marcus said, it is the best word I can use right now for people of African ancestry. He never changed it. Well, that is the beginning and the end of this lecture, ladies and gentlemen. Marcus Garvey started making enemies because of the word Negro. And because Jamaican people felt that he appealed more to the white man, the upper class, because he spoke standard English and he wore a suit and he walked boisterously like that. Ladies and gentlemen, with his wife, they were able to get heavy financial support from the Jamaican governor and the mayor of Kingston, Jamaica, to start with, hey, then black people in Jamaica would not understand. This man is a pretender, he's a thief, his father was nothing, he himself is nothing. How can he get so much money to be able to do what, what, what? They wrote to the newspapers in Jamaica, controlled by the white press, and they spread it out. This is a thief. This is a liar. And Marcos realized that, hey, Charlie, it was time to run out of Jamaica because the pressure was too much. He ran like a hare all the way to America in 1916. And when he arrived, he had the same UNIA to work it out. in America. Finances were coming in. People like C.J. Walker, you know about them in the African history class, and so many other great billionaire pan-Africanists gave a lot of money to Marcus Garvey. The movement was growing. Boom, 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 boom. 1916. 1917. It was growing. The money was coming in. 1918. Ha ha. In 1918, there was a woman at Labadi speaking Ga and eating Ga Kenke, Kena. She started hearing the voice of God. Go to America. There's a place called America. And when you arrive, bring all the black people there, the free slaves, bring them back to Ghana. does not tell us how she was able to enter America. There is no record of how she entered America. Whether it was spiritual, it was physical, the most important thing is that she arrived in America in 1918 and her name was Laura Adoko Kofi. Laura Adoko Kofi. Laura Adoko Kofi. Laura Adoko Kofi. Her other name was Mama Kofi. Ladies and gentlemen, you see this woman? You see the way her photograph is so faded? It's the same way history intended to fade her integrity and her name. When she entered America in 1918, she went straight to Marcus Garvey. Because she knew that Marcus Garvey was fighting for black people to be repatriated. She went to Marcus Garvey and said, Garvey, I can help you. This woman was the prophetess. She could see you and tell you, hey, this thing would happen in the next two years or in the next one month. Because of that, people saw her as a queen of Africa. So people were coming from all different places. She originally arrived in Detroit, Michigan, in America in 1918. At that time, Garvey had already lived in America for two years. She went to Marcus, and Marcus said, what can you do? He was happy to hear about Ghana, and so on and so forth. She told Marcus a few things that he did in Jamaica. And Marcus stood back and said, wow, you must see Obia woman. He said, yeah, Obia is what? 
said, I'm a prophetess. And Marcus decided to put her at the helm of his affairs. And when she took over, millions of people joined the UNIA, all because of this woman and the back to Africa thing. Remember, she claimed she had been sent by God from Ghana to come and bring back. And Marcus had the same vision. This was 1918. There was UNIA, but there was no flag. When this woman met Marcus, he said, the, she said, the flag of the UNIA, God has revealed to me, it should be read, to stand for the blood of all our ancestors and the holy blood of Jesus. She was Christian. Marcus himself was Christian. He was Methodist, then he became a Roman Catholic. So you see how that name affected him? The Roman name, Marcus, named after the Roman god, Mars. See? Alright. So what happened now? Bread is for the blood of the people. Jesus. And then, ladies and gentlemen, the next color was what? Green and black. Black for the people. And then, the one final one is the vegetation of the great people of Africa. She gave the idea to Marcus Garvey. And Garvey was like, wow, that's nice. So UNIA was formed, but without a flag until 1920. Two years after the arrival of this beautiful lady, Adoko, Laura Adoko Kofi. And very soon, we are going to be looking at how the flag was used later. Ladies and gentlemen, this woman was able to go around and gather the people all because she was a prophetess and people were so interested in mysticism. She would tell you one or two things, then your mind will go haywire, then you will join the movement of Marcus Garvey. In no time, she became extremely more popular than Marcus Garvey. And Garvey did not like it too much. One, because she was drawing more people towards the church. More than Africa. And Marcus said, no man, but that was not the agreement, madam. We agreed that every person that comes to join the UNIA is making his or her way to Africa. But you're bringing them to your church. I can't take that. So, uh -uh. But Africa and the church are one. Garvey said, no, sir. Religion is a personal thing. And the back to Africa thing is a must. The woman said, if that is so, then I got to move. When she left, at that time, there are four million members of the UNIA. That is bigger than Jamaica. If the UNIA members had gone to Jamaica, they would have flooded Jamaica. Four million at that time. And when Laura went out, half of the people followed her. And Marcus said, and each person was paid 25 cents as membership dues every month. Imagine half of the people going and you are not getting the 25 cents every month. He wasn't happy. So history tells us that Marcus decided to hire a killer from Jamaica. And his name was Maxwell Cook. In Jamaica, we call him the bad man. Before Marcus hired the killer, he already announced to the rest of the UNI members, UNIA members, anybody who sees this woman, hurt her. Anybody who sees this woman, get her arrested and charged with fraud. Yes, people, yes, and that's Black Rasta here telling you about Marcus Garvey and those other African personalities, people, and right after the break, you'll hear more about what happened to Laura Kofi and others, people. So, you're tuning to the Entertainment Trade Spotlight, so stick and stay. We'll be right back. Advertisers, here's an opportunity you don't want to miss. Do you want to advertise for the Entertainment Spotlight show? Yeah, you can. Email them at entertainmenttrailja 
at gmail.com entertainment trail ja at gmail.com or you can whatsapp them at 1721 522 7050 Thanks for staying and we'll be going right back into the presentation with Black Rasta right now and in this segment you'll be hearing about the Universal African Church and I think a lot of persons will surprise to know that this aspect of the, 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 the Christian church when the denomination started out of the whole Marcus Garvey movement and it also split the whole movement as well and this is from Black Rest perspective and is information so people universal church a lot of person in Jamaica is skeptic of this denomination so we got we're gonna go learn some more about it and we're gonna learn more about the Africans um who attempt before Marcus Garvey to bring back persons back to Africa. And also, people must also remember, if you know history, you know that in the Maroon War, um, Africans were also returned to Senegal, at, yeah, to, yeah, to Sierra Leone from um, Jamaica as well, as a result of the, the Maroon War. In, uh, I think that was 17... 95 or 94 i think there's the second maroon war because the english um could not um, manage the africans the runaways which we call the maroons in jamaica who were living in the cockpit country so they, uh, they also hated in the whole process of the back, the back to africa movement with africans who went back to sierra leone as well so we're going to go into this presentation and see where it leads us before marcus hired the killer he already announced to the rest of the uni members uni members Anybody who sees this woman, hurt her. Anybody who sees this woman, get her arrested and charged with fraud. Why fraud? She told me that we are all going back to Africa. Now she's dividing Africa and the church. That was not an agreement. That's fraud. The killer from Jamaica. Maybe he hadn't killed people for a long time. So it was a good job for him. He picked up his gun. Went like that all the way to Miami, where Abdul Kofi was preaching in a church. When he entered, he was a trained gunman. Four bullets. Buyaka, 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 buyaka. All bullets went into her head. She did not miss one. And she sank. Died. When the members turned and saw that it was Maxwell Cook, they all pounced on him and beat him, killed him, and killed his ghost. <laughs> you know when somebody means he's beating you, he wants to kill you, and you die so early. They start beating you even in death, so that your ghost will never resurrect. That was how Michael Cook, Maxwell Cook, was killed. The American police could not find any evidence against Marcus. Later, they will look at this in just a, a jiffy. Ladies and gentlemen, Adokokofi was killed in 1928, 10 years exactly after she arrived in America. So the rank of the UNIA was already divided, Adokokofi side, and she named her church the African Universal Church. UNIA, Universal Negro Improvement Association. African Universal Church. It was a universal, ladies and gentlemen, when Adoko, Adoko Kofi was gone, Marcus moved on. Now he was focused. They started killing black people, and Marcus said, okay, for any black man that is killed, white people are also going to be killed. Marcus was ready for violence to protect the back to Africa thing. Let us leave Marcus here. Let him rest. Let me take five minutes and go around another great man. He was called Paul Kofi. Paul Kofi 
His father was taken as a slave from Africa to America at the age of 10. Paul Kofi. When he arrived in America, his master or his slave owner became a Christian. And reading the Bible, he said, don't own slaves. Let every human being be free. So he freed this man. His name was Kofi. The white man was called Slokum. So his name was Kofi Slokum. He gave birth to the handsome Paul Kofi. Right then. Paul Kofi was born on January 17, 1759. And he was a dangerous black man. You see him handsome and all cool and all nice. Very deadly. He was the first black man to meet an American president at the White House. And it happened in 1812. First black man. At that time, Massachusetts was a colony of Britain. He owned ships. Whilst this man was moving with his ship from the British side to the American side, his ships were seized. And he had to go to the American president at that time, ladies and gentlemen, and plead with him. His ship was called the Traveler, and this was 1812. The first black man, and he was Ghanaian. He succeeded in bringing black people from America. The first man, the first black man who ever brought people from America to Africa was this man. He brought them to Africa hundred solid years before Marcus Garvey started it. This man. And you know what he did? He sponsored every black man who was ready to move. He would not ask you to pay. Come, I'll pay for you. On each ship movement, he spent more than 4,000 American dollars. At that time, that should be like 4 million American dollars today, probably. When they realized that he was succeeding, bringing black people home, he took them to Sierra Leone. At that time, there was a governor there called Sir Charles McCarthy. How many people remember Sir Charles McCarthy? Yes. Senator McCarthy was in Sierra Leone at that time and he gave money to the white governor and said, listen, this money is to bring my people home, build houses for them and we'll keep them in the houses right there inside Sierra Leone. People were coming. On his second shipment, Senator McCarthy said there are too many black people coming to Sierra Leone. They are invading the whole place. Now anybody who is coming to Sierra Leone must swear an allegiance to the crown of America, or else don't bring anybody. And the indigents were not ready to swear because they feared that they'll be drafted into the army. Ladies and gentlemen, this man spent money and energy to bring Africans home. The first man, Paul Kofi. Ladies and gentlemen, my final segment and we are done. Remember, Adokokofi was Ghanaian. Her aim was to bring home Ghanaians and the rest of Africa to Africa, specifically to Ghana. Now this man, Ghanaian, now there was a third Ghanaian, Chief Alfred Sam. He was born in the West Aching area in a small village called Apaso. How many people are from Apaso here? Nobody. How many people know Apaso? Beautiful man. Thank you. Okay. So he was born there and he was rich. This story is very interesting. Very rich because he came from the royal family. He went to America and he was selling coffee, cocoa, and mahogany. When he arrived in America, hey, what is this? He said, all black people, I'm bringing you back to Ghana. Hey. This was before Marcus Garvey's UNIA back to Africa thing. A few years, well, two years before. Ladies and gentlemen, how did he convince the people? He told them lies. Because he wanted all of them to come to Africa. He said, in Africa, when it rains, Diamonds fall from the sky. 
So don't rush. When it's raining, just stay at home or the demons can hit your head. When the rain stops, come out with baskets and collect all the diamonds. And the price of one diamond, my brother, imagine carrying the diamonds in a basket. All the African-Americans came and stood in queue. They wanted to come to Africa. He said, that is not enough. That is not all. In Africa, bread grows on trees. Bread. I don't know if he said sugar bread or butter bread or uh, cocoa bread or wheat bread. But he said, bread grows on trees. And in those days, bread was the political weapon. If you had bread, you had life. So what? Diamond and bread. So that is not all. In Africa, sugarcane is as big as stove pipes. Some of us don't know what stove, stove pipes are. Like these, my legs combined, like six of them. Big and fat. They said, we are coming. He said, but you pay $25 each. He said, yes, we will pay. Marcus Garvey said 25 cents. This man said $25. They paid. And he bought a ship. A ship, ladies and gentlemen, he changed the name from the Kutiba, it was a German ship. He changed it to SS Liberia. Marcus Garvey did the same thing. He changed it from SS Yarmouth. Yarmouth is a Canadian something. He changed it to what? An African name. You see how they were thinking? I like it. And he brought the people, all of them in the ship. And when they arrived in Sierra Leone, British people stopped them. Hey, hey, where are you going? Who is the owner of this ship? He said, I am, I am the owner, sir. Black man, you own a ship? They stayed there for three solid months so that they would check all the papers and everything to be sure that a black man was able to own a ship. And it came out that, yes, he owned that ship. Ladies and gentlemen, so they continued all the way from Sierra Leone, went through the Gambia. At that time, the capital of the Gambia was called Bartest. All the way, they arrived in Stockholm. When they arrived, hey, there was so much fanfare. Masqueraders came out to dance, to dance, because they believed that these people were bringing them bread. <laughs> but the people were coming for the bread that was growing on the trees. Unfortunately, the day they arrived in Salton, it rained heavily. So they all ran into their hideouts and looking once in a while to see if things were dropping. When the rain, it rained for three solid days. So the diamond should have hit like this. When they came out, oh. Sir, where's the diamond? He said, go to the seaside. The water washed it towards the sea. They all ran to the sea. They came back, there was no diamond. Ah, was the sea rough? He said, yes, the sea was very rough. Then probably it washed it into the sea, but it will wash it back. And the people believed you for a certain reason. Ladies and gentlemen, Chief Alfred, I see. Very, very handsome gentleman. And his aim was to bring them to Africa. He succeeded in bringing them to Africa, salt pond. Oh, the malaria started eating them up. He said, oh, you said we get sugar cane. You said we get bread and a diamond. We don't even need this, but we need our health. We are dying. They died like mosquitoes. And then the indigenous also came out because they did not see bread. They are coming to steal our land. They are thieves. They are pirates. And they started becoming very, very aggressive towards the people. Some returned. Some stayed. Some went back to Liberia and Sierra Leone. And Chief was so downhearted, he went to Liberia and nobody heard about him. So history says that he died probably in the 1930s, before Marcus Garvey died in 1940. I don't know how I forgot to remember to mention these people today. 
is Marcus Musayagavi's birthday, people. So we are paying tribute to the work that he has done over the years and how his work has inspired and motivated others to go on and do great stuff for the nation and for the world. You understand, people? So you know that his movement um, influenced the Rastafari movement. It also helped to influence reggae music and all. You understand? So that whole global movement of reggae music and Rastafari is as a result of uh, most of Marcus Garvey's teaching. So today is uh, the great man's birthday, and I just want everyone to wish him happy birthday. You know, he's in the other life, and I know he's doing revolutionary work in that life as well. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to go into the last uh, um, segment of, of the presentation by Black Rasta. And um, boy, Paul Kofi, he, he, he tried his best, you know, it just didn't work out the way he wanted um wanted it to work out. So we're going to touch back on the last, maybe 30 seconds of that uh, segment to bring you in to the last um, closing 15 minutes of Black Rasta presentation as he summarized the whole um, difference between Marcus Garvey movement and the others. Remember, you're listening to the Entertainment Trail Spotlight and you can also subscribe to the Entertainment Trail Spotlight podcast. It's um, on Anchor.fm. It's also on Spotify. It's also on Apple Music. It's also on Outcast FM. It's also on Radio Shack. People, it's just look for it online. Just Google it. Google Entertainment Trail Spotlight and you will see it pop up. So just click on one of those um, platforms, whatever, whichever one you're using, and subscribe. Leave a remember. It's very important for you to leave a review, a comment, or a recommendation for the Entertainment Chair podcast. You understand, people? Thank you very much, and we're going to go into the last segment now. Ladies and gentlemen, Chief Alfred, I see. Very, very handsome gentleman. And his aim was to bring them to Africa. He succeeded in bringing them to Africa. Salt pond. Oh, the malaria started eating them up. He said, oh, you said we'll get sugar cane. You said we'll get bread and a diamond. We don't even need this, but we need our health. We are dying. They died like mosquitoes. And then the indigenous also came out because they did not see bread. They are coming to steal our land. They are thieves. They are pirates, and they started becoming very, very aggressive towards the people. Some returned, some stayed, some went back to Liberia and Sierra Leone, and Chief was so downhearted, he went to Liberia, and nobody heard about him. So history says that he died probably in the 1930s, before Marcos Garvey died in 1940. So, in a nutshell, you see how Ghanaians worked very hard to start it before Marcus Garvey. Why does history not talk too much about these people but Marcus Garvey? Marcus Garvey was organized. Marcus Garvey was ready to use violence to succeed. Marcus Garvey had support from the Jamaican government. That was colonial. He even had support from America initially. And then black people came up again. Oh, he's using the money. He's dressing so flamboyantly. He sits in a Cadillac and they drive him around. Cadillac. And he's just talking. Ladies and gentlemen, he tried to get the ship. He got the ship. He went through problems. They took him to court. They jailed him. He went through a whole lot of trouble. If we mean to talk about them, that would take us three more days. He divorced his first wife, came for another wife who was very instrumental in the UNIA movement. Ladies and gentlemen, Marcus Garvey never succeeded in bringing one person home to stay. But he sent very experienced people, a team, two times, to go all the way to Africa to survey the place. Engineers, doctors, nurses, to be 
filling up Africa. But the governor at that time did not allow it. So Laura Adokokofi went to Marcus Garvey and said, Marcus, you know what? Forget about Liberia. Let's take them to Ghana. And he named the ship the Black Star Line. After an original ship which was called the White Star Line. Listen to the words. White Star Liner, White Star Line. He said, Black Star Liner. SS Yama. He says, no. We don't want that. We want an African name for it. Marcos became extremely popular. Hey! White people were ready for him. They found out that he studied under Duse Muhammad Ali. You remember? So they wrote a long letter to Duse Muhammad Ali. Charlie, tell us the character of this Marcos Gavi. Because they were trying to find a way to crucify him. He's a thief, he's this, he's that. But they couldn't find anything. Even the attorney general in America at that time, Edgar Hoover, said, this man, we want to jail him, but we have nothing against him. He has not flouted any of the rules. And do say Muhammad Ali, this man, the man who mentored Marcus Garvey, Ladies and gentlemen, wrote a long letter. He said, this man is a thief. Oh. This man called Marcos Gave, he's a thief. Hey, when he was with me, he's smart. But he is a social climber. He uses people to climb. He's so broke to the bottom. He was my messenger. He went back to Jamaica selling tombstones, gravestones, and cats. Now he's rich because he's used the people and he's very eloquent. And when they got that against Marcus Garvey, it was the strong point to deal with him. His old people stood on some of these things, talked against him. Oh, there was no transparency. There was no this. The money was being spent. And then the investigation started. They went into the Black Star Liner. They checked a few things out. Their accounts and everything, they found nothing wrong. But they said the man was using the mail to defraud people. A man who publicly said, When you see Laura Coffee, hurt her. Who do you remember saying that in Ghana? Who threatened that when they see somebody, they should kill the person or beat the person up? Same thing Marcus Garvey said, When you see that Laura Coffee, hurt her. When you see her, make sure that you charge her with fraud. And Lorna was killed. He was never touched. And when he was doing his things to unite black people, they were able to hold him because of male fraud. That was how Marcus Garvey was sent back to Jamaica. In five minutes, we'll be done. When he arrived in Jamaica, the opposition was still on. Serious opposition. What was the opposition? Du Bois. Everybody knows Du Bois in Ghana. He came to Ghana and died in Ghana. Du Bois, W-E-B Du Bois. He called Marcus Garvey ugly. He called him a cheat and a thief. And Marcus Garvey also said he was a white nigger because he looked more white than black. They started fighting each other. Then there was another one, George Padmore. You all know George Padmore, don't you? George Padmore also put so much pressure on Marcus Gavi. He ran back from Jamaica because Jamaica was very hostile towards him. When he returned to England, because he couldn't go to America, he arrived in England. He was in England, and remember, if your boss, the UNIA boss, is deported to Jamaica, a land he was running from because of extreme hostility towards his UNIA movement. Now he's returning there. He ran out of it again and went to England. There he suffered a mild stroke. And George Padmore, who is a strong Pan-Africanist, wrote in a column in a newspaper, 
Oh, Marcus Garvey is dead. May he rest in peace. Blah, 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 blah. And somebody mistakenly took the newspaper to Marcus Garvey. He opened it and he saw an obituary. Marcus Mosiah Garvey Jr. from 1887 to 1940. Rest in peace with his picture. He suffered another stroke immediately and died. And he died with the UNIA. When he died, the dream to bring black people back to Africa died with him. Why did he die with him? Even Nkrumah, who was inspired so much by this man, came, we vilified him and buried him like a rat. Hey, when they met in 1963, in Addis Ababa, at the highest Selassie, to build the organization of African unity, what happened? They were divided into two. Ghana, Guinea, Mali, Jiren, who's on one side, the other on one side. Oh, we believe that independence should be now. Africa should unite now. The rest of the 25 said, oh, let's take it slow, you know. They were divided even in African unity. But Marcos was a dreadful figure. He said, now, and when they have cast, those we call have cast their mixed blood, they were trying to drag their feet, say, you guys are all niggas. Get out of here. You are not even part of us. If you read the opinions, the philosophy and opinions of Marcus Garvey, he said, you and I members must be what? Full-blooded African. The mulattoes, the octotrums, the megatrums, and all those people were not supposed to be part of it. And they hated him. All the Pan-Africanists at that time, including your partner, W.E.B. Du Bois, they preached a separatist movement or separatist rhetoric. What is that? Oh, black people and white people should unite. Marcos Gavi said, we can't unite, oh. <laughs> black people one side, white people one side. Let all Africans and black people come to one side. We are going to Africa. And let white people stay away. That's what he preached. The others preached what? Segregationist rhetorics. But he came with what is known as separatist. Let's separate ourselves. In 1930, the nation of Islam picked the same thing. They were inspired by Marcos Garvey. And the nation of Islam under Muhammad Farad, now is Farrakhan, Louis Farrakhan. They say black people at one side, white people on one side. That was what Marcus Garvey preached. And that was the decider. What made white people hate him? His own black people hate him. But at the beginning, you remember he went to white people to get funds and all that? And now when all these things happen, he said, well, I have what I want now. Black people one side. These people are not ready to support us. The Jamaican governor was so happy to hear that Africans are backward and uncivilized. And Marcos Gavi told that to him, yes, we are backward, we are uncivilized. I want to go and civilize them. Can you give me money? Say, ha, 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 ha. take the money. When he got the money, he said, ah, okay. Diplomacy, right? That's why Muta Baruka says, when you read the philosophies and opinions of Marcus Garvey, you will see how Marcus Garvey was politicking carefully in his own words. He even met with a Ku Klux Klan to tell them, hey, Ku Klux Klan, what you are doing is right. Keep your white people on one side. We too will keep our black people on one side. See? Ladies and gentlemen, coming home today, Nana Ado wants black people to come home. Come home and invest. It's the same Marcus Garvey thing. But are they coming to see the bread on top of the African trees? Are they going to see the diamond that is going to fall from the sky? Or they are going to get a sugar cane that is as big as stove, stove pipes? No. You got to be organized. It took Marcus Garvey years to organize and centralize. His own people around him cut his legs in the Ghanaian palace and brought him down. To be able to make this back to Africa thing 
happy? Patriotism is one. Sacrifice is two. Diplomacy, three. Hey, you want to eat four square meals or triangular meals a day and unite Africa? No, sir. It won't happen. You should be ready to go hungry for days in order to see a certain something happen. Africans to come home. Have you told those at home that those coming are not going to bring bread? <laughs> Have you told them? Because when we hear people are coming from America, from England, we are waiting for the bread. Right? Chief Alfred Sam. So when they come without the bread, even if they give you the bread once, twice, they get funny. See? In order for these things to happen, patriotism, pan-Africanism, we need to know where we are going. We need to hold it very firm. Devoid of the small, small politics. Laura Adokokofi, oh, church, back to Africa, divided into two. NTC, NPP, oh, we started it, they continued, it now will happen. One front. Or else you're wasting your time. Have you dealt with the corruption in the country? Now these people are tired of corruption up there. They are tired. They want to come home to see where's corruption here. Will it work? They are looking for a garden of Eden. The one that has the sugar cane growing as fat as the stove pipes. They want to enter the garden of Eden and see bread growing on trees. They want to see the diamond that is falling from every rain. It's a parable. That's why a lot of people, when I see people come from wherever and live here, I respect them. When I go to Amsterdam, Holland, I can drive all the way from Amsterdam to France, going through Germany, Belgium, and all those countries. There's not a single border. Let me make a mistake in France. I come home and there's a receipt waiting for me to go and pay for breaking a traffic rule. And Togo here, look at the bodies. And these people behave like animals. When you're coming to Ghana, they also behave like bigger animals. Beating, you're not a Ghanaian, you're not a this. Who called you Ghanaian? They want a united front. See how big America is. They call themselves Americans. And you come here every tiny dot has a name. So if Nana Ado wants to succeed, if Ghana wants to succeed, I'm not surprised Nana Ado is doing this. Because you see all those Ghanaians slap that UNIA flag there. It looks exactly like this. I said I was going to get back to that. When Laura Adokokofi died, they buried her with the UNIA flag. This. They wrapped her whole body with the flag that she helped to create for the UNIA. And this was the flag that is spread. The Ghana flag. Marcus Garvey. Look, Marcus Garvey would have been living with us today if we did not betray him. If we did not give the white man the chance to nail him. Ladies and gentlemen, Nana Akufu Adu is a great personality. He's following in the footsteps of Laura Adokwe Adu, Adoko Kofi, Paul Kofi, and Alfred Chief Sam. And what is Nana Adu promising the people? That what? That they'll give them land? That they'll give them what? We are here, we don't even have land. Free visa. Oh, when they came from America, they came here on a free visa, on the ships. So that is not a new thing. Let us sit back, put a plan in place, and lure the people positively, unlike Chief Charles. That way, we'll be able to have a united Africa. Let the dream of Marcus Garvey not die. 
Let the dream of Laura Adokokofi not die. Let the dream of Paul Kofi not die. Let the dream of all these wonderful people held by the great Marcus Garvey. Let that dream succeed. Thank you very much. And that's our show for today, people. Entertainment Chill, massive big up yourself. Thanks for tuning in. As always, people, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, oh my God, there was some great information packed in this program today. I must say thanks to Black Rasta for doing a presentation such as this, and it helps to shed lights on other stuff that has to do, that intertwine, that intertwine with the whole uh, Marcus Garvey movement. And I definitely didn't know some of these things, and I, when I found this out, I said I must share this with you guys. You understand? And it is rather fitting because today is his birthday, so celebrating by giving him a tribute people so thanks for tuning in to the entertainment show spotlight and we'll see you next time big up what good the rocking with the city's hottest dj Spotlight, the home where culture comes alive.